Everybody. Welcome to Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement building show. This is Eric Mann, your co-host, along with Channing Martinez, co-host and producer. And we have a very important show today. The core conversation is going to be about the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And because Voices from the Front Lines is a hopeful show, an optimistic show in the middle of fascism, we're very happy to have Greg Bennett Jr. and Tanya McLean and Justin Blake, and they're all doing great work. They're good friends. I was just talking to Greg, and he says, you want Justin? He says, hey, Justin, come over here. So they all work very closely together. Are you with us, Justin? Salam alaikum. Yes, sir. West Coast, what's happening, baby? RBG. <laughs> all right, my brother. You are always there. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing blessed, man. I'm doing blessed. Thank you for having us on. Of course. Tanya, how are you? Peace and blessings. I'm here. I'm doing awesome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being on. The three of you already give me great hope. So here's what we're going to do. First, just hang with us a minute. I want to talk to our listeners about their obligations today and what we're going to do. The first thing is we have to raise money for KPFK. Because without KPFK, we can't have this conversation, this interview. Without KPFK, if they don't get the interview, they don't get the podcast to help Brother Jacob Blake, to help all the brothers and sisters being shot by the police, and to help the three comrades here who are out there doing good in Jacob's name and also to help him and his family and to raise his morale. He's a real person. He's not just an object of police brutality. Before you go further, let me say this. Every one of you out there today are going to help KPFK. Everyone out there is going to help Jacob Blake. How's that? Everyone out there is going to try to defeat a devil to make sure there's no more devils in the White House. Out of your choice, right? Because it's your choice. I'm going to make the case that you really got to do all three and more. I just have a really good quote. There's an article about the Blake family. One quote I found, 
It says, Justin Blake, also attending ETHS, and now lives in Park Manor neighborhood. He founded Black Underground Recycling in Englewood to provide income to black communities. Justin Blake said his nephew would visit and help serve food to thousands of Chicagoans on the south and west side. Him being a Blake, Justin says, you don't have an option to say, no, I don't feel good today, his uncle said. You go out and build a community. You have no choice but to do something positive in your community. Do you hear that? That's what we believe, too, at the Strategy Center. You have no choice. There's some days I'm in great mood. There's some days I'm depressed. Some days I have an anxiety attack. Sometimes I'm moderate. It doesn't matter. I get up every day and fight for civil rights. Some days I do it better than others, maybe more productively. But I don't take a day off unless I'm truly, truly incapacitated because the system never takes a day off. So that's the spirit of what we're trying to do. So let's start with this station. Anyel Fields is just such a great general manager. You can't imagine how many emails we get from Anyel saying, folks, the station really is in trouble. And he's not a worrisome person. If you know Anyel, a very up-tempo, positive person. I don't like that the station is always in danger and, you know, things can go wrong. There's another obstacle we have to overcome. I want you to call 818. 818- 985-5735 right now because it used to be that we had a phone room, which I loved or hated, depending on what was going on. Loved it when you were calling in, hated it when it was quiet. But today, folks, everybody is going to give money to KPFK. Everybody is going to help justice for Jacob Lee. I mean that. Think about it. Money. You can give any amount of money, no matter how low, when you call up 818-985-5735. You know, we have a sustainer program at the Strategy Center where people giving us money. Some people give us $10 a month, which is a lot. You know, some people give us a whole lot more. Some people give us $10, and some people become a dollar member. But the money must change hands because the minute the money changes hands, you're saying, I really care. If the money does not change hands, you do not care. It's that simple because I've seen very poor people who are almost houseless, give us the dollar to be a member of the Bus Riders Union. So 818-985-5735. You're going to call in right now after you give. I want you to send an email to Channing at thestrategycenter.org and say, hey, Channing, I just gave to KPFK and here's my name and we will read it on the air. You got to call 818-985-5735. Now, you also have to do something for justice for Jacob. And we're going to talk about it more throughout the show. Justin and Tanya and Greg are going to keep giving you emails and phone numbers to call. And I want you to email them and I want you to call them. I'm not saying how much, but I will say I'm giving money to KPFK today. I'm giving money to Justice for Jacob today. And my organization is giving money to Justice for Jacob today. So that's a definite commitment. See, I can do that. I didn't say how much, but if I can do it at whatever level I can give, I will give. At whatever level you can give, you can give, right? 818-985-5735. All right? Can I get a witness? Yes. I figured I could. All right. So let's go slow. Justin, would you like to tell our listeners, we have it written down from the New York Times, but you can tell it much better. Tell us the story 
from your family's point of view, which is the truth, what happened to your nephew? Tell us from your side and from his side. So when we were in Chicago and we saw the video, it was breathtaking, brother, to see my nephew get shot seven times in the back, not committing a crime, not having a weapon, and not being threatening to police officers. Seeing him shot seven in the back was just seven times in the back was just breathtaking. So I knew we needed to immediately get down to the Wisconsin. Our brother was in North Carolina at the time, and so we could get there quicker than he could. So he wanted to have us put eyes on deck and be able to tell him what's going on. So it was very unfortunate that anybody who's hired to protect and serve could obliterate every civil rights law that our nephew should have had in place and respect being a citizen, paying taxpayer of Kenosha, that should have been being served and protected, uh, which at the time he was breaking up a fight between two young ladies that he didn't know but lived nearby. And uh, in between time, the police officers rolled up after most of the stuff had settled down, and he just seemed to be the focus of their angst. And subsequently you saw what everybody in the nation in the world has seen the video that happened after that. Thank you, Justin. I mean, the thing is, I've read you know, different stories of different things. The police allegedly were coming to arrest him for a series of charges, right? But here's the story that should be obvious to our listeners, but we don't know what to do about it politically in this country, which is the police have, under the true way the system runs, you know and I know the police do not have the right but they have the power to kick your door in under any circumstances. They have the power to arrest you for anything. Afterwards, you can get a lawyer and you say, I didn't do it. But nothing prevents them from arresting you. Think about that, right? I mean, you talk to an officer, you say, officer, please stop insulting me. That's insulting an officer. Are you saying that's resisting arrest? So then secondly, an officer has the right under the way the system is run to shoot you. Not legally, not morally. But in fact, they shoot you, and then you have to take them to court about what they do about it. What, what can you do? The brother shot seven times in the back in front of his children. We know the story of the gun. Does everybody not know what a drop-down gun is and a drop-down knife means? Every police officer has either a knife or a gun in their car, and after they shoot you, they put something there. And if it was Jacob's knife, they take it and they put it somewhere else. How could he have had a knife to attack an officer if they shot him in the back? Hmm. It's not even that the officer thought they were in danger. Then to say one more thing, Justin. And then the new thing is the officer thought he was in danger. Think about that. Right. What does that even right. mean? Officer is equipped with a gun, the taser thing, and a, a flashlight. And he was the one that was scared, right? Right. That we were supposed to believe. Come on. Now, before I get to Greg and Tanya, let me ask you a couple of things about the family, Justin. I mean, tell us how Jacob Blake, the real human being, is doing. Tell me how his children are doing. Tell me how his wife is doing. And tell afterwards, right now, what can we do to help, okay? He, uh, man, we were in a store last night, and we just, he popped up and just gave us a call out of nowhere. And I haven't talked to him since this whole thing happened. So it was good to hear from him. He said he was in a little bit of pain. We just want to reach out to a lot of people in our close circle that appreciated everything they had done up to present. Secondly, his kids are in therapy. They've been through just a traumatic, life-changing situation. Man, I mean, you watched your father get shot seven times in the back. 
you heard the gunshots, you felt the vibrations, because the ridiculous officer had a gun, discharged the gun within a foot of three children. Jesus. So that's wow. a tragedy just to start with, that a gun was fired seven times less than a foot away from three children under eight to start us. Not to mention that he shot our nephew in the back seven times, but that he released the firearm, a discharge of firearm, less than a foot and a half from three kids on the other side of the door. So uh, he's, he said he's no better. He's a great soldier, man. So literally, if his body ever catches up to his mind, he only won't be walking. He'll be in the damn Olympics. <laughs> That's how strong he is. He woke up asking about his mother, his sisters, and his father that he didn't want to put them through changes. And tell me about the grandfather who was, in fact, I mean, this is a family that has a long civil rights background. And imagine that your grandfather is helped the racial discrimination in Evanston, Illinois, and all those racist cities where Dr. King was marching. And now your grandfather has to have his grandson shot by the police. Well, I mean, you, you can go back to our great-grandfather who brought the house that my mother lives in today. We've had it for over 70 years. He was a Pullman porter on my mother's side of the family. My other great-grandfather on the other side was a Pullman porter. So I went from a Pullman porter to a Garvinite. So our family <laughs> and our history of our family has always been built on not just surviving but achieving excellence. This was... I hate to say it, almost like it was meant to be. If it had to be a young black man, how about let it be ours? And we're going to make some good out of it. Which I knew, not just get an uh, indictment and a conviction for Jacob Blake, but for all the little Blake Jacobs across this nation. They would be able to walk out of their house, go home safely to their parents without being gunned down in the street seven times in the back, without a police officer walking into your house and shooting you in your pajamas, and things just go on as normal. Those days are beyond us. The matrix are down. We know we've been used, we've been abused, and we've been taken advantage of. And change is in the air. Well, Justin, two things. The Labor Community Strategy Center is a very interesting organization. You'll check us out later. But we are in the tradition of both, of many traditions. One is the third world tradition of Toussaint Louverture and the first, the first Haitian slave revolts. We're in the tradition of the Garveyites. We have big respect for Marcus Garvey and the United Negro Improvement Association. We're also in the tradition of the black communists in the 30s, like Harry Haywood and Others, you know, who fought Paul Robeson. Paul, Paul Robeson. Robeson. Oh, tell me, brother, Paul Robeson. Come on, Sam. You know, come on. Let's talk. <laughs> we let's we talk. are all. Thank you. We are in this long tradition of black nationalism at the Strategy Center, which we think, as as you're listening to Justin, gives a worldview. Without a worldview, you're just going from issue to issue, feeling bad. And with a worldview, at least, you can take so-called tragedy and turn it around. So, Brother Justin, I'm going to get now to the other brother and sister. Now, how do people reach justice for Jacob? So, right now, uh, Sister Tanya is going to be, tell you the best way to get in touch with us. I've got my uh, webpage up. It's been, been up, Black Underground Recycling. Uh, last year, we were responsible for feeding over 1,000 people every year uh, throughout street chain soup line delivery seniors and vets. This year, uh, we're probably over 2,000 to 3,000 in the Chicago Land area. And uh, we have an initiative to open a free computer lab in Inglewood, Chicago, uh, satellite in Evanston, 
and in uh, Kenosha now. And we want to employ over 100 people by next February. And our final step is we have an urban development plan that's going to change the city of Chicago, Milwaukee, Kenosha, and the Midwest. All right, brother. That was great, and I'll come back to you. Tanya McLean, how are you doing, sister? I'm great, brother. Thank you for asking. Tell us your relationship to the whole Jacob Blake campaign, Justice for Jacob. Tell us a little bit about your own background. What brings you to this? I know you're already you know, involved in the movement prior to this, obviously. So tell us a little about your background. First, what happened when you found out about what happened to Jacob? And how do we, if people want to support the Justice for Jacob campaign, how do they do that? Okay, so I'm a licensed psychotherapist and have been for 20 plus years. I'm also an educator. And um, mental health and trauma are my specialty. So um, I'm heavily vested in ensuring people are well emotionally, right? And then um, I'm involved in local initiatives to better the lives of black and brown people, uh, part of the Coalition for Dismantling Racism, Kenosha Unity Coalition. I'm a Readers of Leaders um, tutor. I have an organization, Leaders of Kenosha, where I'm the executive director, executive founder. I'm... CEO of um, AERF. Yeah, so just been doing the work a really long time. These issues are near and dear to my heart, and um, I'm here for it. And you sleep yeah. every other week, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> just like me and Janet. Definitely. Every, every couple of weeks you say, wait a minute, I forgot to sleep. Right, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so I got involved in this when... That particular Sunday, my best friend, she cooks for us on Sundays. There's a group of young ladies that, you know, we get together once a week, have dinner together, and, you know, just talk about life. And on my way home, they, you know, called me and said, we just sent you a message. You know, we need you to pull over and read it. And then I saw the video, like, all of us, you know, everyone across this country um, were able to see what happened. And my oldest daughter lives only a couple of blocks from there, so I immediately went over to my daughter's house to make sure everybody was okay. Then I actually walked over to where the shooting happened, and, you know, the police officers were standing around laughing and joking, and, um, you know, it was just a really sad thing, and it really infuriated the crowd. So then people were saying, we're going to head downtown to the police station. So I called a dear friend of mine, Elvin Owens, and said, you know, hey, the you know, uh, there were a lot of our students out there, young people that I know from the community. Um, I'm like, you know, we need to get down there. So Elva and I got down there. And there were only two other people at that point, police station. And when everyone came, um, you know, it was peaceful. Of course, people were upset because we wanted someone in the administration um, to come out and speak to us as to what happened and what they were going to do. No one would. So, of course, you know, emotions were running high, but it was still peaceful. And then that's when, um, you know, we all locked up, linked arms and stuff like that and just kind of chanting. And we got hit with tear gas. I got hit in my ankle. Um, and I also served in the military. So it was it was interesting that, you know, we're standing there peacefully protesting and I get hit tear gas. Right. So um, it just kind of went from there. Um, and then we, you know, were introduced to the Blake family and. Beautiful magic happened from there. And so we've all been working together ever since to support the Blake family, to keep Jacob's name out there and what happened to him and the importance of receiving justice in terms of an indictment 
and prosecution of the officer and his termination from the Kenosha Police Department. So we're calling on VA gravely to do so, and we need charges. So that's where we're at. Just want to read something I want to ask you, you know, about one of the articles. It says, Kenosha Officer Rustin Shesky, who had been with the department for seven years, then fired seven times into Blake's back. The agency said no other officer fired their weapon. Now, the agency said Blake admitted he had a knife in his possession, let alone, you know, that's what they said. And law enforcement said they recovered a knife from the driver's side floorboard of Blake's vehicle. So if it was under the floorboard, how could you shoot someone in the back and then find it under the floorboard, meaning he didn't right. even have it? Then it says right. state investigators did not indicate why police moved to arrest Blake, whether he brandished or threatened to use the knife, or why Shesky shot so many times into Blake's back, and it does not mention his children in the vehicle or other family members standing just feet away. That's the investigation that they want to do, right? Right. I mean, we know that the narrative in the press, um, you know, they kind of say and do what they want. And some of it, you know, we know can be true. And we know that they also say things that are false. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, that police officer is not the judge and jury. So if, in fact, he did, right, it still does not give you an excuse to shoot someone in their back seven times. So is that your training, that you have to shoot someone like they're an animal? Absolutely not. So you're not competent enough with your weapon to be able to, you know, put someone down without shooting them seven times, and they're not brandishing anything in their arm or their hands or any of that nonsense, you know, the narrative that they're trying to paint. It just doesn't make sense. But we know people that do have sense can see that and see what's happening. And it's happening all over. And that's why people are just sick and tired of it and upset. Like enough is enough. And, you know, it just, things feel different. You know, after the murder of George Floyd, you know, it, it, just, it just shows that they completely disregard us as a human being. And enough is enough. And, you know, we're committed to staying out here and doing the work when the cameras go away and all of that. Like, we're on the ground. We're working. We're putting things in place so that we can equip our people with the knowledge that they need to succeed and stand up for themselves and be heard and feel empowered. So that's our goal. And I think we're making great strides towards that. And that's my life's mission. Tanya, now, this is important. Tell us now very specifically if we want to get money to help Jacob's medical bills, to help Mm -hmm. any kind of fight that he wants to put on for civil rights, to help his children, how do people reach the Justice for Jacob group? Right now we have a cash app, and it's dollar sign A-E-R Foundation. So any monies that go into there, um, if it's you know, if it's designated to go specifically to Jacob and his children, that's exactly where it will go. And then we'll funnel that money to his family. I mean, people don't, you know, been donating and, and then that's how we, we've been doing it. Like somebody personally hands me something, then, you know, we make sure it gets to the family. Jenny, can you repeat that? When you have the app, it'll ask you for the code of where to send the money and the code I got is dollar sign AER Foundation. Yes, yes. Now, Tanya, if somebody wants to do through PayPal or do through 
mailing a check or other ways. How can other people, oh, some of our listeners, or many like me, couldn't find that? And I, I definitely want to help. So if I want to help, okay. tell me different ways I can send you money. Okay, you can PayPal it to education underscore youth at Yahoo. There you go. Education underscore youth at yahoo.com. All right. Yes. Now that we have those, and thanks, Justin, we'll repeat that a lot of times. So let me take a minute. And Tanya, really nicely done. And I'm going to talk to Greg, but I want to be okay. clear. I want to clear Justin to you and to, to Greg, who I'm going to talk to. This is not the last time we'll be talking. I promise you that. The Strategy Center. Awesome. The Strategy Center's in the house, okay? We're not. Okay. I mean, I'm heartbroken. I, I have to say, I'm so damn angry. I can hardly see straight, but. We're going to do stuff. You know, we are good at what we do. We're going to find different ways to publicize this work. You know, we have a website. We have more people in our social media department. So we're going to do what we can, but we're going to do it consistently. So now we have two things people can tell. First, if you care about the station you're on that's helping you understand these amazing people who are doing their work, it's 818-985-5735. And yes, that's the first thing, given that we're in Fund Drive, I'm asking you to do. But you can do two or three things. You can. So first give to the station, 818-985-5735. And Channing, if you could please read the two sources afterwards that they're going to be able to give money to. First, you can either give money via the cash app, dollar sign AER Foundation, or you can give money via PayPal. And you're going to use the email education underscore youth at yahoo.com. All right. So, the so do you want to talk about um, our walk that we're doing now, or is that going to be a little bit later? No, that's the, now I'm going to Greg for the walk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Get it, folks. You're also going to go on thestrategycenter.org, www.voicesfromthefrontlines.com, which is all the back shows. All right. Now, Brother Greg, how are you? I'm good, and yourself? I'm good. This is Greg Bennett, Jr. The way this whole thing started is I have a, a friend, an old friend named James Burke. James worked with West Harlem Environmental Action. I work with the Strategy Center. West Harlem Environmental Action is one of our closest allies. They're in Harlem. We're in Harlem West, you could say, or Lamert King Park. Lamert Park, King and Crenshaw at the corner of King and Crenshaw, which is like 125th Street and Malcolm X. So we've been friends for 30 years. I know James. James is now in Wisconsin. He's working with unitedtodefeattrump.org or com. And I'm not advocating for him. I'm just telling you what he's doing. So James, who listens to the show all the time, you can go on the podcast you can either start from VoicesFromTheFrontLines.com or go to SoundCloud, TuneIn, or Apple Podcasts and search us by name. And please do uh, rate us and leave a comment. And make it the highest rating you've ever given. So with that, Greg, when you and I talked, so James gave me your number, and you good organizer. You introduced me to Tanya and Justin. Tell us about the march from Kenosha to Milwaukee, and just as the other people do, take a step back. Just tell us in a minute or two some bio, how you come to this, and then we'll discuss the march, okay? I had actually got here back from Tacoma, Washington in 2014, and I'm an Army veteran, so I came home 
And then the things looked at the same way when I left as far as police brutality, systemic racism, et cetera. And then 2015, there was an issue where the police tried to take down the basketball courts and arrest some children because they didn't pick up someone else's trash from homeless people drinking and everything. And I got a call from DJ 262, and he said, man, what are you going to do about it? And he's known me for if you call, I'll answer the call. So that's what I did. I took my lawyer down, and we all marched down to the police station, got them children released, and then we got the basketball hoops put up, and then we opened, um, well, Peace in the Streets. We partnered with the city and opened up three community centers along with the Boys and Girls Club and YMCA, and then I started running for alderman. But then at that time, fast forward, George Floyd happened, and then, Jacob Blake happened, and I got a call from Anthony Kennedy, the alderman, and was like, Brother Bennett, something's going on. I see the video. I already lost both my brothers. I'm the last surviving brother from my mother, so I'm sitting here like, all right, it's happening again. So, boom, uh, and Bishop Grant ended up giving me a call, come down, speak on this, and I basically spoke upon how can soldiers in Iraq have rules of engagement compared to the public service inside the United States, and we're not holding them to the same Geneva Convention that we do when we're on foreign land, and yet you're putting them on administrative leave. And then after that, I was introduced to, uh, I already knew Tanya from boards because we're on Coalition for Dismounting Racism and Kenosha Unity Coalition, so we were already familiar and um, been working on boards together, but yet this was a call where we needed to unite all silos and actually start working toward one movement, one goal, one vision. And that was to get justice for Jacob and also to show consistency inside our city with all leaders together. And that's how that came about. And once I met Justin, I told him I had his back. So I've been walking in back of him, on the side of him, making sure he was safe. But then I also started letting the people know that in 2024 I will be running for mayor and we both had to be side-by-side, side, but we're all taking different avenues of approach but going for the same mission. And since then, we've just been working together and having each other's back. And then now on October 20th, we'll be doing the walk. And the walk will be going from Kenosha, Wisconsin, to Milwaukee, bridging the gap between Kenosha, Racine, Oak Creek, and Milwaukee together. And everybody's going to be coming here. Of course, Justin has people coming from Chicago. We've got people in Kenosha, Racine's participating, Milwaukee's participating. And we even got people stepping on at those lines or driving all the way here. And we're going to march for social justice and uh, equality and unity while we're actually educating people on how to vote and vote the right way. And it was a blessing that James had talked to me because every time I was moving, James was moving. <laughs> Every time I was picking up a, a, a case of water, James was picking up a case of water. And I was like, man, what are you doing? He was like, anything else you need? I'm like, I need some coolers. He was like, I know I'm going to go get them. I was like, well, dude. He was like, why are you always moving? I was like, because I ain't asking nobody to move. I'm just going to go do it. So he was just, it was just a blessing to meet him because his spirit. And then this walk is showing that once you walk 30, it's 32 miles. But if you got to think, you're going to have to go back and pick people up. You're going to have to stop at the every five-mile marker. So by the time we get there, it'll end up being 37 total miles, if my math is right, because we're going to Red Arrow Park, right, right in right. Milwaukee. We're down to Hamilton Park, technically, right? So when we get there, it'll be 37 miles. If we can endure that pain and endure that pilgrimage together, we're walking the earth like Cain together. 
if we can endure that and go through that, then we can go through anything together and we can unite and stay consistent with each other. You see, wow. the great thing about this march, I just think it's going to unite all of our cities since we're the number one state for incarceration of African-American males. And these are the three main cities of the state where there is the most incarceration rate for African-American males. And so I think if we unite this, we can not only raise awareness for justice for Jacob, raise awareness on equality, equity, and education, and then we will also actually bridge the gap between our communities and unite them so if there's an issue in anyone, we'll all come together. And the name of the march is? The Walk. <laughs> That's simple. Let us know how we can get in touch with you or how uh, listeners who are listening in Milwaukee or in Kenosha can get in touch with you about the walk and how to participate. You can actually email me or you can reach Erica Ness. And Erica Ness is erica.ness, N-E-S-S, at aerfoundation.org. Or you can reach me at peaceinthestreetkeno, K-E-N-O, at gmail.com. Or you can reach Tanya McLean at tanya.mclean, M-C-L-E-A-N, at aerfoundation.org. And just either way, I'm public record anyway because I'm on a ballot, different things like that. So it's 262-595-5261. I know how to hang up, so I'm not really tripping. <laughs> <laughs> One more question. What are the demands of the Walk for Justice? Are you calling for anything specifically? I mean, specifically, the actionable items are still on the table where not only do we want the officer arrested, you know what I'm saying, we want him fired first, terminated, taken off administrative leave, indicted, convicted, you know what I mean, and sentenced. And then as well for the young shooter who came across state lines, we want him, yes. like you would do our African-American children, brought to adult court. We want his mother also for aid and a minor, and moving the weapon, a illegal firearm, across state lines, we want her arrested and convicted. That's our number one demand so we can get justice for Jacob and we can actually start to heal because it seems like everybody is just putting a smoke screen on it, just like they tried to do with the Breonna Taylor situation when you thought the building was more important than that sister's life. Her life mattered, not the building. We were talking about her life, and they didn't even mention her name. So when we're talking about the demands, we want to bring awareness to all of those three incidents and then at the same time unite and actually raise awareness to voting because their vote matters. Just say in my last election is 6,100 people in the district. Between you and I, if we were running against each other, only 191 total votes voted. We have to raise awareness and let people know that their votes count. But Wisconsin is the number one state for incarceration of African-American males. So how many of those are felons on supervision so they can't vote? So that's how the demographic and the narrative is made. We have to change that. And the people that are off papers and off supervision, they do have the right to vote in the state. So they need to know their rights. So we're going to raise awareness for that while raising awareness and getting justice for not only Jacob Blake, but Brianna Taylor and everyone else. Well, let me say something to you and to Justin and to Tanya to think about. Channing Martinez ran for city council on cutting the Los Angeles Police Department by 50%. They have a $2 billion budget. At least we want to cut it to $1 billion and less. We just want a victory to reduce the Los Angeles School Police Department by 35% and $25 million. Wow. I think if we do not 
whether we win or not, and some cities will win and others we won't, we had a slogan, we want a thousand more buses, a thousand less police. A thousand more schools, a thousand less police. I think unless I would ask you to consider, besides the demands you're raising, to think about the structural disarmament of this police force, because if we cut their budget in half, if we even cut their budget by 10%, then they are politically discredited in the community. People are saying, I don't think you're very helpful. I want to reduce you. Once we start reducing them, even by a little, we can start reducing them by a lot. So I hope, yes, sir. So I hope the three of you and others would at least consider, I'll send this article I did about defunding the police in Los Angeles, an amazing victory. Sounds like you're doing great work. So let me say this. I want to go slow again on the context. Greg, if they just want to reach you directly. Peace in the streets. Kino. Kino, K-E-N-O, at gmail.com. Or 262-595-5261. Peace in the streets. Kino at gmail.com. And there is Voices from the Frontlines. And there's Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. There's Channing at TheStrategyCenter.org. You should write all these things down, folks. I want to go around one more cycle. I want to talk about KPFK a minute. And Justin will come back to you. Tanya will come back to you. And then, Greg, I'm going to come back to you, or each time faster. Folks, this is amazing radio. Channing and a young woman named Akila, who was working with us on our social media, we still spent, three of us, two hours to get this flyer together. You know? More. More. Six (laughs) hours. I mean, six hours, human beings, back and forth, back and forth, get the right paper. Then calling Greg. I've been on the phone with Greg for at least a couple of hours. He's a pleasure to talk to. And then reading about this. This is what it means to do a radio station, you know, and we do voices. Voices takes eight or ten hours a week. It just does. We love to do it. Don't get me wrong, but we need your support now at 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. No KPFK, no ability to help justice for Jacob. You get it? No KPFK. We can't help Indigenous Environmental Network at Standing Rock. No KPFK. We can't help Mumia Abu-Jamal get out of prison, which he certainly deserves. Without KPFK, think about it. You think the LA Times gives a damn? You think NPR gives a damn? Without this station, that we can just get on the phone and call brothers and sisters and say, tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. Tell us what you're doing. We will get you on the show fast. It's a pleasure to have this. But 818-985-5735, and then please email Channing at thestrategycenter.org and say, yes, I did. Secondly, in the same email, say, I would definitely, or I've either given money already, and you're going to tell them again the two ways to give money. Cash app, money sign, AER Foundation, or PayPal. The email is education underscore youth at yahoo.com. Jenny, what's on your mind? I mean, first of all, Gregory, it's very powerful to hear that you're running for office. Mayor at that, I ran for city council in one of the last black strongholds in Los Angeles. And, you know, it was rough, but we learned a lot. And I think we did well. We got 5% of the vote. And 
you know, among something like 300,000 voters. So it's great we're running for office, and I'd definitely be interested in following up with you later, you know, see your platform. Um, and as Eric said, I had one of the most revolutionary platforms in the country calling for a 50% cut in the police budget. You know, I'm I'm also coping because every day there's a new person that's being shot, a new black person that's being shot in the streets at the hands of the police. And I call myself coping because as a black person, if you just get enraged at every single one. And so, you know, that is partially why we're moving in our campaign to do much broader cuts, uh, like a whole cut to the L.A. school police and a whole cut to the L.A. city police. And at some point, you know, not many people are not talking about it, but at some point even doing a cut to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, which is one of the worst police forces here. I'm curious what you think about serious cuts like that in Kenosha and Milwaukee and Chicago and, and places like that. So we'll start with Justin on Channing's question. And why don't you feel each of you have a two-minute moment? So, Justin, you could respond to Channing's challenge and tell us anything else on your mind. Yeah, well, I think it's an awesome idea at any time when you want to reduce the money that the police get. Uh, the policing is terrible. We have thousands of deaths in Chicago and have never caught up to the people who committed the crime. Uh, they're always there late. They're always abusing our people. What would L.A. look like if those billions of dollars you said they cut went directly in our community? Because crime happens where there's no opportunity. Crime happens where there's low education and poverty. I've been quite a few places around the world, and I don't care where you are. If there's poverty, you'll find crime. You usually find low education behind it. And these kind of elements are the, the roots of the, the commitments of the different crimes and the lessening of our community. So if we're able to nurture and take care of education, job and ownership opportunity, not renting, but home ownership in our community with the money that you're talking about taking away from the police, then do we really need the police? <laughs> because you got to understand, the citizens outnumber the police anyway. So that means that everybody really is working on citizenship and in, in an honor system to a certain point. Right. Because they can't be everywhere. So that means most people are not criminals, including African descendants. So it's wow. imperative that this time I sort of channel this and challenge people. This is sort of like when my father and them was marching, marching back in the days against buffing, and all the people had stopped using the bus service and transit system, and shoes were coming from all around the world, from Africa, from London, from New York down south to support what's going on. And what happened after it was won, it affected the whole nation and the whole world. And that's what we're doing down here in Kenosha. We haven't left since my nephew got shot. We've been active every day, involved with different community organizations, white, black, otherwise, gay, straight, and otherwise. I'm going to get you there, Justin. Just to tell you, we have something called the Bus Riders Union. We had a no seat, no fare campaign. And Tanya, how are you doing? Last thoughts for our audience. Hi. I just want to say that it's important that people just see things for what they are and what's happening in our country right now and what's been happening for a really long time. People really, really, really need to just see things for what they are. And 
In terms of that, I mean, it's time to go out and vote. Oftentimes we hear that people feel like it doesn't matter, my vote doesn't matter, but that's just not true. So we just have a duty, right? It's our responsibility to go out there and make the change. So if we're going around this narrative in our communities, um, we can't expect other people to take us serious. So it's time that you change your thinking um, because what's been happening just isn't working for us as a people, and it's just time to do things differently. And it's time for people to step up and um, fight for their communities, fight for their families, and um, fight for everybody around them and just be the example of what it looks like to engage in this process they call democracy, right? So we, we need people to get out there and do that. And tell a friend, tell a neighbor, take three people to the polls with you. Say that. Whatever you need to do to get out there and, and be a part of the process. Two things very quick before I get to Greg. I know that you're in border states, so Wisconsin is considered a swing state. It's critical that Wisconsin go in a positive direction. And if people don't think that it matters, it does matter because of the Electoral College. This election system is done state by state. And if Wisconsin goes in a positive direction, that means a lot. Illinois is even considered an up-for-grab state, unfortunately. So, yes, people in Wisconsin, and also one more thing, is that the COVID rates are spiking in Wisconsin and because this president doesn't care if people live or die. So between fighting COVID and fighting fascism, keep up what you're doing. And yes, yes, please get people to vote. If you can turn out in the black community in particular, that's going to be essential to any of us having a future that we can talk about. Greg, you get two minutes, and then Channing gets two minutes, and we're going to say goodbye. I'm saying goodbye now. Go ahead, Greg. Well, Channing, I mean, I would love to have this conversation with you offline. And just to be honest, since I come from the military side and I've invaded countries and I've seen how the military can push in and push out, I don't want to totally defund. I want to be able to actually hire police officers that's Africans living in America, that's in our neighborhood, that look like us, that we can do. Yes, we can cut their funding, and yes, we can do that. Even out of their own handbooks, the neighborhood conditions and the indicators and perception of disorder from broken windows does not predict cooperation. So at the same time, when we actually do something, we have to hire people who look like us that's from the neighborhood so they can actually keep order. And we have to stop and cut off one of the demands that we need to start demanding around the world is take out the willingness and the qualified immunity. We have to yes. make sure we take that out of their handbook so we can hold them accountable because transparency without accountability equals chaos. So we got to be transparent and hold each other accountable so we can prevent chaos. I just believe that We've got children that want to be soldiers, children that want to be doctors, lawyers, police officers. But at the same time, we have to have what we call a police community incident review board. Greg, I'm going to have to hold you there. Greg, I want to make sure Channing gets his one. Listen to Greg, to Justin, to Tanya. This is just the beginning of a long relationship. 818-985-5735. Channing, you take us out. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Let's get this podcast out there. Go to our website, VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com, and go to our podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and share this episode with as many people as possible. 
Again, if you want to help out this fight, do a cash app at dollar sign AER Foundation or send your PayPal to education underscore youth at yahoo.com. And with that, we'll see you next week for another great show. And all power to the people. And all power to the people. You got that, Justin. Thanks, everybody. Friends, I say clear, it's all right, and state my case.